Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What made the Bengals great last year, that's what they will do again this season. No tentativeness. Final seconds of the first quarter. Burrow on time. Tyler Boyd breaks away, and now it's a foot race. Boyd will take it for the touchdown. Cincinnati gets the score. Down the left sideline, and that's caught. That's T. Higgins. Welcome, number one Bengals podcast. I'm your Stanley McTook, and I have a very special guest today. I'm talking about Mr. Bobby Lamarco of Razball Fantasy Sports.com. How's it going, man? Excited to be I'm on good. back again after two years. It's been it's two been years. Time. And yes. it has been two years since I have thought about fantasy football. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad, I you were, I'm glad yeah. I'm your guy. I'm glad that you're your guy for fantasy sports. That's good. I you like are that. my guy. You are my guy. And you're, the other guy, I know two guys, Sky Guasco, amazing guy. He has, he has the, does he still have that big beard? Yes. Yep. Yeah. That adds so much. I feel like he's like the, the fantasy sage, you know? He's the fantasy warlock. And, and Bobby over here, yeah, Bobby here is, is, the, is, the, is the genius, the whiz kid of fantasy football. It, you really, our heads were spinning last time we talked about it because it's such a different way to think about football. And yeah. Well, yeah, I was gonna so, say it's it's more about it's more about the stats. Like I think a lot of people get caught up in NFL quarterback play versus fantasy football quarterback play. Like Justin Fields was on a terrible team last year, but the boy can run. And next thing you know, he's a top five quarterback the second half of the year, even though they're losing football games. So it doesn't matter if your team's winning or losing for fantasy in real life, because in fantasy football, as long as they're putting up stats, that's all we care about. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, and it's just crazy how. In fantasy football, how, you know, at least a few years ago, it was like running backs were the most valuable players. And now you have running backs, you know, Joe Mixon just took a four or $5 million pay cut per year. And so that is going to probably be tacked onto Joe Burrow's salary, which will end up being what, 65 million or something instead of 60. And by the way, he'll still be the most underplayed, underpaid player in the league, but it's just crazy because quarterbacks are not that valuable in fantasy and the running backs are very valuable. And here's Joe Mixon, you know, I mean, it, it, it's in the, in, let's say in the real NFL world, you know, the, the Joe Mixons are, are viewed as, let's say, you know, there's not really much of a difference between if you get the top running back or you get a, a pretty good running back, they're not going to pay them that much different. It's like, it's like when you go to the dollar store, right? And you get an eraser from the dollar store as opposed to one from Walmart that's two dollars, right? It's not that much different. But the quarterback is like if you get cologne from the dollar store, it's more like a fragrant bug spray. But if you get cologne from a department store, it's like a hundred times the price. But you got to do it. 
I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think the, it is kind of flipped. You're right. But in fantasy football, we are starting to see more of a trend now where more people want more starting lineups. So they want more wide receivers in the starting lineup for fantasy football. So you're seeing a trend now where instead of having a two running back, two wide receiver and a flex spot, now it's three receivers and two two flex spots. And that's changing the landscape too for fantasy football because wide receivers are now becoming more important. If you have to start three versus two, only two running backs. So you have leaves league settings truly matter. My top 150, if you go to rasball.com right now, actually is for a three receiver, two running back, and one flex spot, one quarterback. So if your league is different, you have to evaluate it based on how many starting spots you got. But you're right. I mean, I think the quarterbacks are starting to get a little bit of a bump. Joe Burrow this year, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Fields are in my tier one. I'm willing to take those guys in the fourth round. That's probably a little bit more aggressive than in years past. But I truly think that, honestly, we could see um, – Joe Burrow take a huge step this year, especially if everybody's healthy. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about that because Joe Burrow, he threw what, 60 touchdowns his last year in college. And yeah. if you do the math, Bobby, because there's a lot more games in the NFL, it's something like he should be throwing 80, 100 touchdowns a year in the NFL. He hasn't gotten close to those yet, even though he's been objectively the greatest quarterback in the NFL. So, a lot of it has to do with offensive line. A lot of it has to do with play calling. But what do you see as necessary for Joe Burrow to take that big step statistically? Because on the field, look, he's getting it done in the playoffs. That's the most important thing. But statistically, what needs to happen for him to get in that 45, 50 touchdown per season range? First off, it's the offensive line. I think I think what you did last year is really kind of invested in your offensive line. Alex Kappa came over. You drafted a day three guard who actually stepped up and ended up starting most of the – actually every game last year for you. You also got Ted Karras at center. You tried to bring in Lydell Collins. He played okay, average, better in the run game than pass blocking. And then Jonah Williams stayed healthy, which was nice, which allowed you to take the next step, and you saw it with the pass volume. 2020, Joe Burrow gets hurt. 2021, you're out, you're 20th in the NFL in pass attempts. Last year, you're seventh. That's what you need to get to. And if you look at the isolate the games where Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd were all on the field together, it was only nine games last year where they all are on the field and they all played at least 50% of the snaps because T. Higgins, you look at his stats, he did look like he played all 16 games, but he came out of the lineup three separate times. So if you just look at the nine games where all of them were played and were healthy, Joe Burrow was out of this world. He was averaging over 29 fantasy points per game. That's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes numbers. And as long as that pass volume continues to grow, and in those nine contests, he averaged 650 pass attempts. He was on pace for 650. That's Patrick Mahomes numbers. That's all Joe Burrow needs to be an elite fantasy option in 2023. But Bobby, you know, I love you. You are one of my favorite guests ever. But I'm going to be real with you, as they say. You have Joe Burrow as QB4? That's correct. That Okay, so I just want to be clear. You're saying there's going to be three quarterbacks who are better than Joe Burrow. So I will admit that there is two ways to think about this. I think if you're in a six-point-per-passing touchdown league, you could probably make an argument that he's the QB3 behind Mahomes and Allen. And honestly, you could make an argument with me right now, and I'd be okay with that QB2. The only guy I would not take him over is Josh Allen. Just because you could say that Burrow, if you give him the same exact pass volume as Josh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, the talent around Burrow is so much better and proven than the, what the Chiefs have that Burrow could have a better season. 
Now, the only reason why I'm at QB four is Jalen Hurts is right now at QB three. Because I think I think Jalen Hurts has kind of shown it already for a full season. And plus, there's a very good chance that he takes another step as well after a, his first full season as a starter. But honestly, I'm debating. Six point per passing touchdown leagues. Him as QB3 is definitely an option for me. I see. Okay, so Jalen Hurts, because he put up elite rushing numbers. Yep. That fantasy-wise, I want to just tell our audience, fantasy football is not real. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. It does it because matters look, to me, Bobby, man. Bobby's making a lot of money <laughs> off of it. A lot of money. I don't know if you guys know, but Razball is yeah. It went public recently. Razball. <laughs> and yeah, Bobby, look at all those jerseys. His players coming left and right, giving him his jerseys. But Bobby, here's the thing. I want to know. You said basically Joe Burrow's upside is number two. What is the worst that you think could happen? Let's say other than injury. What is the worst in terms of his on-the-field performance? Well, we kind of saw it a little bit last year when Chase went out. It kind of sucked some of the pass volume down, and he drops a couple points per game in that scenario. And I think the problem is Joe Burrow, I personally view him as a different tier than the guys that he drops down to. If you look at guys like Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, there's such a points per game difference, in my opinion, between those guys that Burrow could take a slight step back. If let's say Chase gets hurt again or T. Higgins is out of the lineup again and you start seeing injuries around him, and they start pushing this pass volume back down, that I still think he has plenty of room to still finish as a QB5. I would then put him behind Justin Fields in that scenario, but I would still have him above guys like Trevor Lawrence and also uh, Lamar Jackson because he's just they just have so much around him right now that even if they do have an injury to Chase, they still have T. Higgins and Boyd, yeah. and they also have a guy in Irv Smith that we both really like. Yeah, and Trenton Irvin did well last year. I mean, he was, Joe Burrow was making it happen. I mean, he was finding everybody, and now they have this guy, Charlie Jones, and a lot of, lot of guys. Well, it, it's weird because when you ask me, okay, what is the worst-case scenario, my answer is a little different. It's not maybe as fantastical or, or fan, fan, uh, fanatical. I don't know what the, the fantasy oriented, but Joe Burrow, here's the thing. Joe Burrow is very much into social justice. So my absolute worst case scenario is that he becomes a socialist. That is what my biggest fear is. is I didn't factor that in. I did not factor that in. That's a good point. Because that can destroy a team where you really, you have to try to be the best. There's no room for this loosey goosey, fluffy, kind of everybody matters. You have to have a cutthroat mentality. And uh, that scares me that Joe Burrow is so focused on developing society and helping society. But okay, let us move on to Jamar Chase. Because here's a guy, Bobby, you would agree, not fantasy wise, real football wise, he is the second most talented easily maybe the first after Justin Jefferson. You would agree with that? Yeah, sure. I'd like Cooper Cup too. Okay, so so you have Jamar as number three. So who is mm. number two? Actually, Cooper Cup is number one in my rankings. Wow. And then I have Justin Jefferson at two. 
And the re main reason why is it's just a target competition thing. And I think a lot of people are just overvaluing what happened last year. If you just look at the first eight games last season, Cooper Cup was averaging 25 PPR points per game. That's nearly four and a half points better than Jamar Chase and three and a half points better than Justin Jefferson. And then he got hurt in week nine. And then he had three catches for minus one yard and it brought his points per game down. But Cooper Cup over a year and a half span was just on a different level. And Matthew Stafford might no longer be a top 12 quarterback for fantasy football. But in real life, he's still an elite thrower of the football. And I still, still think you have Sean McVay and Matthew mm. Stafford that Cooper Cup is still an elite option. So that's why I haven't met one. So let me get this straight. Matthew Stafford, he's going to be completely healthy? Or is it is it just a decline with age or what's going on? Well, he, he did have a lot of nicks, but if you look at a lot of the guys like SixScore.com with uh, Sports Injury Central and you talk to Deepak as well, another great injury analyst, there's not a lot of – there's not, there's not a lot of worry that those injuries that he compiled last year will f roll into this year, but it's the offensive line play. Yeah. I mean, you guys know better than anybody, bad offensive line play can result in some injuries for a pocket quarterback, which we saw just two years ago with Joe Burrow. So I think the offensive line is still a big-time question mark for the Rams, but at the same time, I'm not going to just bank on Stafford getting hurt again to drop Cup. So I think that's why I still have Cup as one. Yeah, but is it true that Sean McVay was trying desperately to trade Matthew Stafford and his, what, $59 million? Is it's probably it? more contract-related. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think it's more on-field-related. It's more like the Rams had to gut their team. But the other yeah. aspect of this, too, is the Rams' defense is not going to be as formidable as it was. They got rid of Jalen Ramsey, for example. So if they – Rams' defense – by the way, for fantasy football – a bad defense is fantastic right, for yeah, wide true. receivers and quarterbacks because that's just going to yeah. offer high high scoring games, more pass volume. Trust me, we love that. Maybe not so good for guys like Cam Akers at the running back position, but God, I love that for Stafford. It just means they're going to have to throw more. Yeah. Okay, so Jamar Chase, you have him as number three. I think we both would agree that his best case center, he could end up as the number one receiver in fantasy. I mean, it, it, it really all depends on how much you know, the catch, the targets for T. Higgins. I mean, if 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 he didn't have T. Higgins, I think it'd be very likely he's a wide receiver number one. So in the nine games last year where Higgins, Boyd, and also Chase played together over 50% of snaps, Chase did take a slight step back in points per game, dropping to 19.7 PPR points per game. But he only had four games over 17 points. And that's... That's kind of alarming. That's actually under 50% of his games were considered like elite games for fantasy football. And when you're talking about a top five pick, you would like to see that percentage a little bit higher. But the biggest thing for Chase's upside is that last year he saw his average depth of target drop from 12.6 to 9. His yards after the catch dropped from 8 to 5. But his targets went straight up. So if he's able to kind of get back a little bit to more of a mean in the sense of yards after the catch in dot. With those targets, of course, he has a shot to be the number one wide receiver. He's a stud. Joe Burrow's a stud. And they also have that elite pass volume as well that we saw last year. Okay. Now, what would be the worst, other than injury, what would be the worst case scenario for Jamar Chase? I would say he falls behind Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs as the wide receiver five. I think that's probably where, because like I talked about earlier, there's just a huge gap between the top five receivers, in my opinion, and then wide receivers six, seven, and eight because of how they performed last year. Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs kind of rounded out that top five on a per-game basis, about 19.5 PPR points per game to 20-ish range. Jamar Chase and them are just so much better. We're talking like three points per game better than you start getting to CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown. So 
I think even if he takes a slight step back, and let's say, for example, like I just brought up, the nine games with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, 9.7 PPR points per game would be a step back. I just don't, unless Joe Burrow gets hurt, I just don't see a scenario where with Orlando Brown at left tackle now, another season with your left guard and a couple, another season with your other interior offensive lineman, I just don't see a downside where Chase drops behind guys like CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown. Yeah. Well, again, I, I wasn't prepared for the show the same way you were, Bobby. But my biggest fear and my worst case scenario for Jamar Chase, because the man is very gifted, he's very agile, it's that he ends up on Dancing with the Stars. And, and they love him, and people love him, and then he's lured away to becoming a co-host on the Today Show or something. That's actually what keeps me up at night, Bobby. I would, I honestly, I might lose sleep tonight. So I'm a little upset no. you told me that. I'm so sorry I'm, about I'm that. hoping, yeah. yeah this okay. is what goes on in my head. This is, these are the problem. This is why it's, yeah. I wish I was a Bobby DeMarco at the Razzball store, you know, sports, swimming in the money. I really do. I know. Bobby, the Bengals have Jamar Chase, who is clearly, like you said, a top five receiver. They have another guy who I would argue could, believe it or not, be a top five receiver. That's Mr. T. Higgins. T. Higgins, I, I'm sure you've seen the, the stats that this man, he his play, his his production doesn't really take a hit at all with Jamar Chase on the field, off the field. This guy's a different type of receiver. He is a beastly, monstrous, very powerful, large receiver who embarrasses defensive backs. And and he's found this rhythm with Joe Burrow now that they played, you know, three years together. Now you, you have him as wide receiver 13, which is fair. It's very strange. It very, I don't know if we've ever had two receivers, let's say in the top 10 on the same team. Maybe what Chris Carter, Randy Moss, maybe something like that. But, but yeah, I mean, still, I mean, this guy talent wise, you would agree is maybe top five, maybe top seven. So it's tough for a guy like you just brought up. You think of like Wes Welker, Randy Moss type stuff, and those guys had elite seasons with Tom Brady. It really comes down to the fact that you also have Tyler Boyd, who's a solid NFL receiver, and he's going to demand targets. And there's another guy at the tight end position that we really like, but also Hayden Hurst last year demanded targets. He averaged about five and a half targets in the games where he played with all three receivers, and that means something. Also have maybe some of the Samaj P. Ryan passing down work It's spread out to the receiving core. But when you look at the games with Jamar Chase, he's at 15.7 PPR points per game. That's wide receiver 13 right where I have him. It's just hard to imagine a case where even with Chase last year, Chase did miss time. So it's it's not like we didn't see T. Higgins get an opportunity to become the number one for a handful of weeks, but it necessarily didn't skyrocket his points per game. Instead, the offense as a whole took a step back. They didn't throw nearly as much when Chase was out of the lineup. So I think that wide receiver 13 I feel comfortable with. I have him right there with guys like the second-year breakout guys, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and then even guys like Jalen Waddle too, who I really like. I have them slightly ahead of him, but honestly, I have him above market uh, right now. At wide receiver 15 is the ADP he's at, so I have him a little bit higher than that. So I'll have a decent amount of T. Higgins as well. I think he's a solid option. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say this. I mean, that's very logical. I, I have a kind of maybe a skewed perception of Joe Burrow. I think if Joe Burrow has time for the first time in his career, I think he puts up video game numbers. I think he could he could potentially, like you said, look, the Bengals have a great defense. The Bengals are a good team. They're not going to be playing from behind that much. 
But hey, maybe this is the year that they're beating everybody by 25 points. Maybe this is the year that, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, he's doing like a Peyton Manning, what was it, 2007? What was it when he threw 55 touchdowns? Maybe he has that kind of year. And in, in that scenario, I could see a T. Higgins jumping into the top 10. So I, well, that's kind of what I, I think it happened last year. When you look at the nine games, like he was on pace for 650 pass attempts last year. When you look at the 17 game pace for those nine games with Higgins, Boyd, and also Chase in the lineup, he was putting up about 290 passing yards per game, 2.4 touchdowns, like insane numbers. If you look at it isolated for those games and Higgins was still averaging about 15.7 PPR points per game. I don't, think so. the, I don't think those are insane for Joe Burrow. I really don't. I mean, you know, to, in today's NFL, you know, 300 yards per game, that's very good. But, you know, I, you know, I, I, th I just think that we're eventually, with the emphasis on passing, we're going to see the next record-breaking season. I don't know if it's going to be Joe Burrow, but it, it could happen. It could happen. I think, I think Burrow, he didn't even have a great line at LSU. But every, you know, he had such great receivers. I see him as a Peyton Manning type player who can just find the best opportunity every single play and score at a, at a wild rate. I don't know. I, I don't disagree with you. Honestly, I, I like his pace last year was about 5,000 yards and about 41 touchdowns if, in those nine games. So, yeah, he started and, slow because the appendix, yeah. he started very slow. Yeah. I, listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm not uh, not in on Joe Burrow. I honestly think he's the 1B to Mahomes. And if you gave – I guess my question for you, Daddy, is how do you feel about Zach Taylor? Do you think Zach Taylor is a good head coach, or do you would you prefer that he gets let go and you get a better offensive mind? Because if you had Andy Reid or Kyle yeah. Shanahan with Joe Burrow, I mean, what are we talking about here? How much better could Joe Burrow get? But do you really think Zach Taylor is the guy you want long-term with Burrow? That's a great question. I would say this. The coach that I want with Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. That, that's my take, is I want a coach that lets him be Joe Burrow. And they actually, gotcha. Brian Callahan said it. He said Joe Burrow has become like the coach. He said, I don't know if you read this. Did you see that, Bobby? He said, he said Joe Burrow is so smart and knows the offense so well. He is the coach. And they don't know what their role is anymore because they're not players, Bobby. Brian Callahan doesn't get on the field. He's like, if he's the coach... He was having existential crisis. It was very, it was very odd that he was sharing this with us. He was reaching out for help. I mean, you would think with his salary, he could afford the therapist, but he was like, why is this Joe Burrow taking my job? Bobby, look it up, please look it up. Joe, he said Joe Burrow is more like a coach now. And so that is my thing is Joe Burrow just needs, he needs someone to not hold him back. He needs someone to, I, I, you're right. The Shanahan's, the the Reeds, with their creativity, I think that's an advantage because they're not focused on the field. They can pull from this massive encyclopedia of a playbook and always keep the off. I agree with that. But at the same time, I think back to Peyton Manning again and how Peyton Manning, him being like the offensive coordinator in a way, that that kind of resulted in those snap decisions that that let him kind of take advantage of things that he was saying that maybe seeing that the coach maybe did not i so the other thing when you, when you want to isolate that though is it's not just about calling the right play and executing the play it's also how they scheme up route concepts so like shanahan will be able to get and honestly sometimes burrow when you look at him 
you know, it's great that you have, you can hit the guy in a perfect spot. You know, T Higgins making contested catches, Jamar Chase making explosive plays, but sometimes you want the easy throws and that's what Shanahan really does. And also Andy Reid is that they scheme up plays to get the ball in their playmakers hands, get some yards after the catch, like Debo Samuel comes to mind, Tyree kill for a long time as well. You know, a lot of motion and stuff like that. Get, you know, creative in the route concept. So Joe Burrow doesn't have to be incredible every single play to get the most out of him and allow, like, of course we know Joe Burrow can do that, but it's hard for him to do that every single play. So it'd be nice to have. But listen, you could tell me right now, Zach Taylor's up there with those guys, and I'd be like, okay, you guys have a better pulse on that. But, you know, I would say this. No, I agree. He's not up there with those guys. But you know what Zach Taylor has done? He's a culture builder. He has he has repaired decades of damage that the Cincinnati Bengals suffered since Sam White left. We have not had a culture. We've not had a unified locker room. We've not had guys want to play for each other, fight for each other, believe in each other. We haven't had it to this level. I mean, Marvin Lewis did a fantastic job. I don't want to discredit what he did. But Marvin Lewis was so much like a gentle father that in, in really important moments, the players weren't accountable. They didn't hold yeah. themselves accountable. With, with, with Zach Taylor, he he laid down, you know, he was he was a strict. I mean, they got rid of veterans who didn't agree with their vision very quickly. Veterans that are going to be in the ring of honor, veterans that are borderline Hall of Fame players. Carlos Dunlap, you know, Gino Atkins, Giovanni Bernard. Before, those guys would have never, you know, been let go. And I think in that way, he's done something for the Bengals franchise that's allowed Joe Burrow to basically just just kind of take over the whole football side of things. Yes, it'd be, I think, here's the other thing. I think Zach Taylor's a smart guy. I think he's gonna grow. I think he is growing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, I think you know, the guy was a QB coach on the Rams. I mean, really, nobody knows what a <laughs> right, QB coach that's... does in general, especially yeah. not on the Rams, when you have Sean McVay. I mean, right. what was this guy doing? I mean, like my co-host, Dr. Hoji says, he says, yeah, you go get them, you know, you massage their feet, maybe you get them some juice or something, but nobody knows what a QB coach actually does. Well, maybe so, he's giving all the good massages now to Joe Burrow. So Zach true. Taylor learned to massage uh, Sean McVay, yeah. and all that practice is allowing Joe Burrow to relax before game day because his coach yeah. is such a good massager. So I agree, I, and I don't think that Andy Reid would do that. I don't think you'd want a massage from Andy Reid. <laughs> I don't think I don't either. I don't think that's what I but want. But you know, when we talk about T. Higgins, when we go back to T. Higgins, what is the worst case scenario? I feel like for him, there's more of a chance of a fall. Because he's the number two receiver. Like we're, again, we're not talking about injury, but he's the number two receiver. You know, I mean, the Bengals could be so good that they are running out the clock in the fourth quarter over half the time. The Bengals could be so good that the defense is making these lowest score games and the offense is kind of checking it down to avoid injuries, right? So if, if your big play guy if you're, you're a star receiver, your go-to guy when you need a huge play is Jamar Chase, which that's arguable, could be taken. But if that ends up being a Jamar Chase, T. Higgins could be there for, you know, he could potentially just be a very solid second option, unfortunately. And yeah, I mean, that, that would drop him, right? Yeah. So I actually took a look at over the last two seasons when T Higgins played at least 50% of the snaps, I looked at his production in wins versus losses. And I've done this for a lot of players because I actually was curious about that same exact question. And I do a lot of my analysis and projections based on wins, losses, how they perform, and then Vegas win totals. So when you look at isolate the wins versus losses over the last two seasons, when Higgins was on the field over 50% of the snaps, I want to caveat that. 
his points per game goes from 15.2 in wins to 16.9 in losses. So when they're losing games, he's up there at 16.9. But in your worst case scenario, the Bengals are dominant. They're winning every football game. He only drops to 15.2. So yeah. it's not significant versus not, his last so that, year. So it'd still be top yeah. 20. That would still yeah, be top exactly. 20. Okay. Yeah. Well, my again, my worst case scenario, I apologize, but I'm just my worst case scenario because look, T Higgins, he's a good looking guy. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It's okay, Bobby. It's 2023. We can be honest about these things. He's a good looking guy. He's a very nice smile. What my, what I'm afraid of, Bobby, is that one of the Kardashians, I don't know if there's any of them left, one of them is gonna swoop him up. I don't know, is there a Cassidy Kardashian? I don't know what there is. Yeah. I know Chloe is usually available. She usually finds the time. I'm I'm really worried about that. Is that he is going to get so much exposure on TV, so much publicity for his play, that they're gonna be like, oh, yeah. And then he's gonna be making all this money from the Kardashian show, and like Tristan Thompson, Thomas, Thomas Thompson, you're not gonna see him on the field anymore. That's what I'm worried about. Uh, I think that's baked into his ADP, so I think we're okay. So all good. Oh, okay. <laughs> this guy, guys, I want you to go to. By the way, I want you to go to Razball.com right now. Nobody else has the answers to every single thing that I answer, that I ask, other than this guy right here. Go to Bobby Lamarco's Razball.com, and what do they do when they get there? They sign up. They play games. They watch videos. Uh, all of the above. Honestly, we uh, at Razball.com, we actually do more than football. We do baseball, hockey, and basketball as well. So when you go to Razball, click on the NFL tab. We have great columns from multiple writers. You can go check out my top 150. We also have a lot of cool tools. We have a lot of stats on the set website that you can check out. We also have an ADP consensus. So it takes all the ADP from all the sites, puts it in one place for you. So if you're in Yahoo, ESPN, Sleeper, and you just want to go to one place, we have all that data in one spot for you. And also, if you would go there too, we have a trade analyzer. So if you're curious about, is this a good trade? You get offered a league a trade in your league. We have that. We also have a team name generator. So if you guys are try, struggling to find a creative team name for your league, we actually have a team name generator as well. So go check it out at Raz. But we have a little bit of everything over there. And which you guys would love, we have animated uh, cartoons that actually do analysis. So we have Anime Donkey and Gray on, on Razzball. So if you are if you like puppets, you might also like animated characters. We have that at Razzball as well. Wow. And let me ask you, is this, we can, nobody's watching this show. It's okay. It's just between us. Are these, are these affordable interns or is this, are you on the AI trend? Are you into the fad of AI? How are you doing all this, Bobby? How are you doing this? We have a great team of writers, and that's how we do it. It's a, it's a divide and conquer. We have a, a bunch of writers on the football side that I really enjoy and love, and they've been doing a great job over there. So it's a team effort. AI hasn't really caught up to us yet, but we, but we have great writers on our site. Wow. Well, I have, I have great co-hosts who are not showing up anymore because of the writers' strike. I told them you're not okay. really writers. It's not about you. It's not about football shows. It's about movies but they want to show their solidarity. And they said, it's Sunday. Why are you making us work on Sunday? It's crazy because it's not even work, Bobby. I don't pay them. No. So technically it's not work, but they still don't show up. I, I don't know how to deal with these Gen Z millennials. You know what I mean? They're so, they're, they're just, just so, yeah. Their expectations are way too high for me. I mean, Bobby, uh, no, yeah. sorry yeah, to cut you off, but speaking no, of guys showing up to work, what about Joe Mixon get, taking his yeah. pay cut finally? How do you feel yeah. about that? Are you excited about Joe Mixon this season? What's your thoughts there? Well, yes, I am. Because I'll tell you, the guy is physically very gifted. 
And we saw that in the Buffalo Bills game, playoffs. You saw that. How hard, I mean, he was, he was great. I mean, that was about as good of a rushing performance as we saw in the playoffs. And I think with Mixon, he had some problems early in the year. They were mental. I think they were mental. He wasn't hitting a hole fast enough. And I think that there is always pressure on these running backs. Like I said, they're more like erasers than cologne. They're very replaceable. You just go pick them up from the dollar store. You don't need to spend money on them anymore. That's the, that's the mentality. I think that that weighs heavily on him. And now he's not a bad contract. You know, four or five million dollars for a veteran who really fits the team, understands the culture, and has the physical. He's, look, he's what? He's 26, 27. He's not that old. And, and he is still runs really well. So I think he's going to be fantastic. Now, I don't think he's going to be the primary ball carrier. I mean, well, he is. I don't think he's going to be the only ball carrier. I think we're going to get Chase Brown in there a lot. Chase Brown is a very NFL-ready rookie, as you know. And we have Chris Evans, and we have some other guys that are getting in the mix on third downs because he's not the best third down back, Joe Mixon. So to answer your question, I think we're going to see maybe fewer carries, but we're going to see him more focused and more decisive on his cuts. Okay. Yeah, I think last year we kind of saw a little bit of a transition in your offense to more Joe Burrow, more pass volume, which directly affected Joe Mixon's carry count, which it's clear as day. But the other thing is they did throw to him more. He had a career high in targets, receptions, and receiving yards last year. Um, the other aspect of this, though, is I think he has to be better in pass protection. Like, that's, I think, why Samaj P. Ryan was getting more and more reps because if you look at PFF's blocking grades, he was not good in pass pro last year. Travion Williams is an underrated name in that aspect, too. Uh, he could – it really is going to come down to can you protect Joe Burrow. If Joe, Joe Mixon does not become a great pass protector, he will not be on the field for every third down. He will not be a complete back. And I think that's the direction the Bengals are going in. They want to get a guy in there who's going to make sure Joe Burrow stays upright, especially with all the turn on the offensive line. However, for fantasy football purposes, the hate on Joe Burrow's gone way too far. Way too far. This Joe guy Mixon. is going – Joe Mixon. Sorry, I'm sorry, Joe yeah, Mixon. Yeah, yeah, no, right. I just yeah. – Too many Joes. Too many Joes. Uh, yeah. RB 16, 48th overall, makes zero sense in ADP yeah. right now. I have him at RB 11, 24th overall. This guy has continued. Last year, he had a huge game with 55 fantasy points which I know skews his stats a little bit, but he was still a top 10 running back last year. And by the way, he plays with Joe freaking Burrow, people. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, this is going to be an elite offense. And I know Chase Brown, we're excited, but he's a fifth-round rookie, so we're not 100% sure. And he still has to pass up Travion Williams, who's right now today getting the second reps in camp. So we'll see how that goes. But I still think Joe Mer or, uh, Joe Mixon is going to be an elite option. And I think he's a lot rock-solid second-round pick in fantasy. Yeah, a lot of people are, are forgetting that this upgraded offensive line is going to benefit Mixon even more than Burrow. I mean, yep. last year, Bobby, I don't know how close you followed the Bengals, but the second half of the year, the offensive line was fantastic. They were a top 10 line with that interior really picking it up. And then yep. the, the entire interior got injured, basically, and that's why we lost in the playoffs. But just those guys back, and then having that massive man, Orlando Brown Jr., on the left is yeah it's going to it's going to really it's going to really help Nixon a lot i agree now i have a bone to pick with you mr bobby okay. lemarco yeah i know you're the expert but tyler boyd wide receiver 54 now i just want to say something 
I just again, we're just being honest, and there's nobody watching this show right now, so I have nothing to fear. Bobby, I did not know there are 54 receivers in the NFL that were fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you could play. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta but remember. Would, yeah, you gotta remember. Yeah. There's there's 32 teams, and yeah. most teams start three receivers, so there is 54. So yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> I guess you need math to do the fantasy. And this is, again, yeah. why you need to go to rasball.com. This guy knows math, too. And he is not using calculators, folks. He's doing it the old school way. Look, Bobby, here's my thing. You would agree that Tyler Boyd is a top three slot receiver in the NFL? I would have to go through that thought exercise, but he's very good, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand he's playing next to Jamar Chase and you know T. Higgins, but I mean, really? I mean, like, if I look at, let's say, the top, the, the 40th receiver, you think he's going to put up 800 yards and five or six touchdowns? Is that, is that, do we have that many receivers? Because I think that's pretty reasonable for a Tyler Boyd. So understand something when I, when I put my top 150 together in my rankings is I want, like, Tyler Boyd is probably going to finish where he finished last year, a solid wide receiver four. But when I'm drafting players, I don't, like, Tyler Boyd's upside is all baked into Chase getting hurt, T. Higgins getting hurt. But like we saw last year, we saw an example last year where Chase missed multiple games, Higgins was out of the lineup a few games, and Boyd was still averaging about 10.5 PPR points per game. That's like wide receiver four numbers. This year, if those guys stay healthy, what's really his upside? Another thing tied to Boyd a lot too was the Hayden Hurst effect. Like Hayden Hurst missed a handful of games last year, Four, a three of it, three of the four games that Hurst was not in the game and/or missed a most of the game, he had double-digit fantasy points in those games. So I think that he has competition now with Irv Smith potentially as well as a the third option in this offense. So I, I, I just from a wide receiver fifty-four standpoint, it's more of like I, it, I don't want him. I don't think there's an upside for him to be a wide receiver two or three. So that's why I have him a little bit lower than where he'll probably finish. I see. Well, I mean. If you look back at that AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, he was like the most valuable receiver on the field there until he got injured. And I would say in the really grind them out ugly games, when you get into the winter and it's cold and your bones are crunching and you know your skin is flaking. And I mean, I've never been in that weather before or never played sports before, but, but Bobby, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it is, it is nasty. And Tyler Boyd is from Pittsburgh. And I don't know if you know a lot about Pittsburgh, but it is technically not even part of the first world. It is not, it's not like the rest of America. They actually have, I'm serious. The UN has a separate category for Pittsburgh. And these people have been through it, you know? They have been through a lot. And Tyler Boyd is a tough guy. So what I'm saying is, if it gets late in the season and it's cold and the offense is stalled, Tyler Boyd's your guy. I guess what I'm hearing is that doesn't show up in the fantasy stats, but his value, I mean, he is definitely value-wise, he's a top 20 receiver in terms of a guy to help you win. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about NFL caliber player here. We're talking about just fantasy stats. So, I, I listen, you know me. I was on this show two years ago. Check the receipts. I, I love Tyler Boyd two years ago. I That's was right. all in on him, yeah. and uh, it didn't really work out. He fell to three, the obvious third option, but... I think Tyler Boyd has been fantastic for you guys. I just, yeah. if you even look at his late season run, it wasn't overly great. I mean, you know, five for 35, three for 21, five for 51, 
like PPR, okay, fine, solid, gets a couple catches here and there. But I think he's a better real-world asset for the Bengals than he is a fantasy asset. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess the last thing is it's a contract year, but he's such a team player. I don't think he's going to be selfish and demand the ball or anything more. Like I mean, that would throw off the whole chemistry. So, okay, look, Bobby, we have time for one more player we want to cover, which is a guy you love. A guy, the Bengals, look, the Bengals picked him off the streets, basically. The, the Minnesota Vikings, they cast this guy to the street. They threw his, you know, all his belongings. They put him in boxes. They said, get out of here. We don't want you. He signs with the Bengals. And just like Hayden Hurst and just like CJ Uzama and just like all these guys who play with Joe Burrow, his, his value skyrockets. So when you look at Irv Smith, a lot of people don't know that he was, when he was drafted in the second round by the Minnesota Vikings, he was 21 years old, very young at the position. And he's not even 25 yet. He turns 25 in August. That's kind of right when you start seeing tight ends peak. That second contract, 25, 26, 27, is when tight ends really start taking off. It's a little different than receivers and running backs. So that's what's going for him. He also has that draft capital in the second round. But we started seeing big-time jumps in his second year. If you look at his stats overall, it doesn't look overly exciting. But he started making big strides in 2020 in his second season. Um Yards per target, yards per route run, seeing substantial increases in those efficiency metrics. And then, of course, he has the big catastrophic injury in 2021, misses the entire season. We all know that when you have a serious injury, it takes about two years for you to get back to your normal levels. And that would mean that this year, last year was probably going to start being that it. But then, unfortunately, they signed TJ Hawkinson. And then TJ Hawkinson comes in, he takes over. But if you just isolate the 5.5, targets per game by Hayden Hurst last year, and you just apply Irv Smith's averages, his career yards uh, catch rate, his career yards per target, his touchdown rate, to those 5.5 targets, you have 9.3 PPR points per game, which would have been tight end 13 in 2022. So there's a, there's a scenario here that Irv Smith finally starts hitting his stride, and now he's tied to an elite quarterback. So I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Wow. Bobby, I just got to say, it's very... There's a lot to unpack when you talk. First of all, I didn't know that you know medicine because what you said, it makes it really resonated with me because I had, I had, listen, just again, between us, I had a bad shrimp taco a couple of years ago. I'm still <laughs> feeling the ramifications of it. No, I'm, I'm serious. I said, people say, oh, you know, you have a problem with gas. I'm like, no, it takes two years to completely heal from an injury. And, and you just said that. That's, that's, that's crazy, Bobby. It's crazy how much you you can make people look good, whether it's Bengals players or me or anybody. But <laughs> I, I, I love all the stats you used, Bobby. And I agree, physically, he seemed way more impressive as a prospect than he's shown on the field. I will say this. I think, again, I think Joe Burrow is a Peyton Manning in the sense that he does some magic with tight ends. He has this magical... Look, Hayden Hurst had was wide open caught a wide open touchdown in the AFC divisional round Hayden Hurst right now I'm not putting him down he's a fine receiver but he's not a superstar but I mean this guy was making plays like exciting plays and, and I feel like similar to an NBA point guard like a Magic Johnson like a Steve Nash like these guys can take players play to a different level just by getting them excited they run harder they move better and I think that just the Joe Burrow factor, just his charisma, just his awareness on the field alone makes Irv Smith, I'm going to say a top 10 receiver 
a uh, top 10 tight end. I think he's a top 10 tight end. I, I could okay. see it happening. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm above market on him, so I'm in. Trust me, a top 15 yeah. tight end is much higher than the tight end 19 he's going right now. And I have him about 30 spots higher in my top 150. So I I am I am okay with the strategy of you passing on tight end early, filling up on running backs and, and wide receivers, and then pairing Irv Smith and one other guy and see, see which one comes out. But I agree. I think Irv Smith's in for a really nice season this year. How did, how did Hayden Hurst finish last year, by the way? Uh, let me just pull it up off of my top of my head. He finished as let's try to go per game because he missed some time here. Hayden yeah. Hurst was the tight end 19, 8.1 oh, points per game. Well, so, I, yeah, I think Irv Smith is better than Hayden Hurst personally. I think so. But, but, well, but again, yeah, yeah, no, there's been reports coming out of camp that er, they, they liked Hayden Hurst, but they're like, Irv Smith's just a different caliber athlete Agreed. and player. Yeah. So, I and listen, we haven't seen the best of this kid yet. He's only he's not he's turning 25 in August. Like he's going to there's better years ahead for him and trust yeah. me, if you want to tie yourself to any quarterback, it's probably Joe Burrow. Um yeah. and the sky's the limit. I do agree. I think top 10 is aggressive, but yeah. I am not going to say it can't happen. No, I mean, I think 25 is such an important age. Obviously your body's going through a lot of changes. You have a lot of questions and you know I mean, your your voice you know, gets a little deeper and all that, but I think they have the support system in Cincinnati for him to, let's say, make that transition to becoming a man. I don't mean that kind of transition, Bobby, but just the transition as an adult boy to become a stronger and manlier. I, I think this is the time, and I think we're going to see the puberty of his NFL career in Cincinnati. Agreed. Mr. Bobby DeMarco, this has been a complete honor to have you on the show. You blew my mind again. I learned so much about myself, about the world, about physics and medicine and amazing. And really everybody, if you're playing fantasy football, you definitely want to go to rasball.com where you heard what he said. They have, they have everything. They have, what is it? They have like, uh, they have like, mini movies i think you have like a streaming service now right yep. they have yeah <laughs> they have they have apps they have games for the kids they have a lot of free prizes a lot of free stuff right you can win what free food you're giving out free food rasballs at the it's amazing anyways yeah it, and, sure. and nobody knows what a rasball is it, i think it's a ball that can be used in any sport because they cover the fantasy of every single sport out there is that yeah? I listen. Gray Gray Albright is our founder in chief. He's the guy you would not need to have on this show to tell you where Razball came from. But they've been around for like oh, well over a decade. Yeah, that's amazing. And they found a superstar analyst in Mr. Bobby Lamarco. Who I just want to. I hope we can get you on again next year, every year to talk about fantasy football. I apologize for my co-hosts not showing up, taking the day off being very entitled individuals but mr bobby thank you for spending your sunday with us thank you for having me appreciate it that's all we have for this show don't forget to subscribe turn on notifications and we'll see you next time so long esviti pipes
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.